Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Welcome back, everybody, to the Get the Fuck Off podcast on this Monday morning, or if it's not morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time you're here with me, welcome back. I'm excited to have you guys. We might have some newcomers this week because this week I actually released my first ever free email series, which was designed with the couch potato in mind. I want to talk a little bit about that today, and then I want to talk about some bigger concept, a bigger concept that I was also exploring this week with with regard to you know, the email series and, and everything that went into writing it. So the email series, guys, just so you know, um, if you didn't know, three years ago, I used to be a very large woman. I was smoking a pack a day. I was closing down a bar on 45th Street in time, in Manhattan near Times Square where I worked every night, uh, multiple nights a week. I would say that I probably closed down that bar at four o'clock in the morning, four to five nights a week for years, for years. And I really needed to do a complete overhaul of my life. And I was able to do that in a series of small steps. And what I like to tell people is that the road from A to B does not have a teleportation system, but you can walk quickly. You can. And I was able to do a complete overhaul of my life. And I want to share that information. I want to share it with all of you guys. So I spent the last three weeks putting together a really comprehensive email series. It has all kinds of great information. Um, We talk about nutrition. We talk about, I'm saying we, it's me. I talk about nutrition. I talk about exercise. I talk about alcohol and why alcohol sucks. I talk about cigarettes and why they suck. And it's easy to, it's not easy, but why it's not as difficult for you to walk away from those as you think. I talk about all that stuff in the email series. So I'm going to give you guys some information on how to get to it when this podcast is over. But that's not the topic of this podcast. The topic of this podcast is actually that everything you know is wrong. Isn't that fucking, that's mind blowing. When I say things like that, I don't want to make anybody kind of click off the podcast because I made that statement because it's very offensive to tell people that everything that they know is wrong. But it was especially offensive for me. So I don't know how much you guys know about me, but I know everything. No, that's that's a lie. I don't know everything. But I, I that was my demeanor for most of my life, particularly in my 20s, that I knew everything. Like I knew everything. I had read all of the books. I knew that everything I knew was right. I knew it all. Like you couldn't tell me something that I didn't know. And among the things I knew, I mean, there were things that were really, you know, intricate concepts that I knew from various disciplines. I I am a social scientist, so I would definitely argue that I knew a lot about social science from things that I read. 
But then there were other things like alcohol and what it was and what it was about and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then there were other things like the type of person that I was and the type of person that I identified as and the type of family that I came from and the type of relatives that I had and the type of friends that I had and all of the things that I knew in my life were were true. They were all true. I knew all of those things. The thing is, when you want to change, you have to abandon that story. So the biggest catalyst for change for me was recognizing that everything I knew was wrong. My friend Andy Petronic was huge in my discovering this for the first time. He is a brilliant life coach and he really opened my eyes to the fact that so much of what we do is fucking rooted in a story, like a story that we've made up. And then there were books that I read, you know, things that I listened to, listened to a lot of Tony Robbins, listened to a lot of, you know, um, just recently discovering Wayne Dyer, just, just discovering people all of the time that are talking about this same concept. Um, just this idea that who you are and your identity is keeping you in this place that you're in. And in order to break free of it, you have to recognize that everything that you know is incorrect. Like it's wrong. And if your life's working out for you and everything is great, and I'm not just saying good, when I'm saying great, then then everything's right. Everything's fine. But if something isn't, isn't great, you know, and if everything is just ugh, which is how my life was for 10, 11, 12 years, <laughs> like just or, or forever. I had to acknowledge that the things that I knew about myself were just complete loads of shit. And there, there's so much that goes into that. Um, there are so many concepts that are so delicate to deal with when you're talking about the story that you tell about yourself. And when it comes to health and wellness, we tell a lot of stories about ourselves that keep us from getting healthy. And we like to tell stories about how we are different than the people that already are healthy. I talk about this on the first day of the email series. And I, I was really scared of doing this because I was worried that people would get to that, that first day's lesson and go, oh, fuck this bitch <laughs> and, and unsubscribe. And I'm going to tell you what, like, it seems like it's the most nonsense, erroneous thing that I could possibly tell you, but that is the first step. And the first step is the acknowledgement that you that you and the identity that you hold about yourself might be the thing that's holding you back. For me, I talk about, you know, who I was and, you know, I was a barfly. A lot of you guys know that. And I I worked in bars. I worked in bars since I was young. And, um, you know, all through college, I worked through, I worked in a bar through grad school. I mean, I don't remember a time in my life when I wasn't using bartending as supplemental income because it pays really fucking well, guys. Like it pays, if you haven't done it, it pays very well. But I was always, I was always using it. So I was a part of that community and people like me did certain things and people like me hung out with, and I'm using air quotes here, different people that were like me as well. So, you know, I have a friend, a really good friend, um, and we were talking 
we were talking recently and, and this person was like, you know, I just, I can't stand when a woman orders a cosmopolitan. And I was, I was that woman. I couldn't stand it either. And I, I, I couldn't stand making the damn drinks for the people. And why? It had more to do with the fact of, I define myself as the type of woman that drink whiskey. I drink whiskey neat. And, you know, what that said about me was very rooted in what I thought about myself. Um, that was a drink that men drink. And I wanted to be seen as equal to men. And I didn't want to be seen as a frou-frou or, you know, anything like that. I wanted to be seen as a man. And so I needed to drink a man's drink. And I needed to sit next to men. And I needed to shoot the shit with men. And I needed to hold my own like men. And I needed to, you know, I, I just had this whole narrative. And that's just one piece of it. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody that likes to drink, I mean, is is like this. There could be the, you know, and again, like I really, I have done times where I have sat and drank wine with my girlfriends or I've drank whiskey with, with female friends. I mean, I've had all types of drinking experiences. So the needing to be a man thing, I mean, please just, just try, I'm trying to paint a picture for you guys and who I was trying to see myself as. And I've had a variety of different drinking experiences from sipping pina coladas in, on the beach in the summertime to you know, drinking beer at beer halls in Germany, liter beers, and trying to boast that I could consume as many liters as, you know, the next person. And that, that was my life. And that was how I conducted myself. I needed to be this, I, drinking was a part of my identity. And I was cool. And I, I was, I was too cool for the story, basically. I had a, I had friends say that to me when I was young. I was too cool for the story. Andy's too cool for the story. But I, I was, I was too cool for the story. And I developed, I wrote all of these programs. I, ma I made it all up. I completely made it up. It was all made up about who I was. So when you're making these things up about yourself, people that are different from you, you just automatically see them as other. And I, I talk about this in the first day of the email series. And I think I've talked about this in previous podcasts about the person I know in my life that won't take Peloton-led instructor courses because they, they can't stand, quote, those fitness geeks, end quote. And it really doesn't have anything to do with the fact that, you know, they can't stand the personalities of the fitness instructors. It has to do with the fact that they don't want to get this data about themselves that they don't want. And, you know, they they often, you know, will find themselves in a situation where they're receiving that data and then they feel like they have this level of inadequacy. So with me, it was a couple of things. I mean, it was what I knew about myself. I knew that I was a certain type of person and I had two main fears and these are the fears that everybody has fear of failure fear of success okay so fear of failure um, my fear was that I was going to like the person in my life that doesn't take the Peloton uh, instructor-led courses um, I was afraid that I was going to get data about myself that I didn't want because I saw myself as a tough guy I was a tough guy that sat with tough guys I drank whiskey neat with tough guys I went out smoking cigarettes with tough guys I shot the ship with men like I was a tough guy. I was worried if I go and I try to do this exercise and I try to do, you know, whatever, that I'm going to receive the data that I'm not actually a tough guy, that I'm actually weak. Fear of failure. And then there was a whole other part of it. And I definitely have talked about this in a previous episode, and that is the fear of success. The fear of success that, like, if I succeeded, who would I be? If I didn't have my bar and my cigarettes and my smoking friends and all of that, who would I be? Like, who would I be? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know, you know? So I had to abandon 
that identity. And I had to realize that everything that I knew about myself was wrong and I'm still doing it. Like this is a process of unlearning. Like everything is unlearning. You build this ego around your life and what you know about yourself. And then you spend, you know, this time when you want to change, unlearning those things. There were times in my life where I was extremely cynical and I was extremely, you know, misanthropic. And I've talked about this in a previous podcast as well. And just unlearning that about my identity. Talking a lot about identity. I know that I just talked about it recently, but it it means so much to me to talk about it because, you know, I really came into a situation this week where I realized that so much more of my identity than just health and fitness was being held hostage by the things that I have taught myself to believe over the years. Some of that comes down to, you know, just just the way that you, the way that you think. So when it comes down to the psychology of for example, having money or coming into, you know, being able to understand money. There are people that live their entire lives just not being able to ever think like a person who knows how to understand money or be or how to, you know, be able to use money as a tool to their advantage. Use money as a way to you know, leverage themselves and provide value to to other people in society. Like, like money is just a tool of exchange and that's all it is. But there's so much stigma and story attached to money. And I've told this story many times because as you know, I did not grow up with money and I was sure as fuck reminded of it every single opportunity that somebody could give me that I didn't grow up with money. I had to unlearn all of that programming. I mean, like unlearning it, just, just, I'm learning it. Everything you know is wrong. Here's another thing about everything you know is wrong. Everything about alcohol that you know is wrong. This is a great example of all these things that you think that alcohol provides to you. It's all fake. It's all made up. It's all a lie. Everything that you know about alcohol is wrong. I'm going to tell you a story of when I get left on red. Some of this might be repetitive and I and I do apologize if it is, but you know, I, I'm really fully anticipating that there's going to be a lot of new listeners to this podcast, um, especially with growth of the email series. A lot of people are probably going to end up here and I don't know if they're going to, you know, discover the stuff that I talked about in previous podcasts. So if some of it is repetitive, I apologize to my loyal listeners, but I wanted to talk to you about alcohol and the times that I get left on red. And throughout the pandemic, I have received a lot of messages from people. And I am grateful, by the way, for every single message that I receive from you guys. So I really, I'm really talking about friends here that have reached out to me. These are, these are friends that I've known for years. Um, And I've had a lot of friends that I've known for years reach out to me during the pandemic. And they've said, you know, I really give you credit uh, for staying sober during the pandemic, uh, it's such a stressful time, you know, and I, yada, yada. And I always say, you know, thank you. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me because um, it does. It, it means so much to me when people reach out to me. And I always follow it up with, just so you know, though, alcohol does not relieve stress. It causes it. It relieves the withdrawal from itself. That is all it does. 
So the science of alcohol, and you know, because most of us do not define ourselves as alcoholics, even though 80% of people that drink wish that they would drink less, most of us do not define ourselves as alcoholics. Uh, and alcoholism is what? The result of habitual excessive use over time. That's how alcoholism results. Alcoholism is a dependency on alcohol that, that results over habitual excessive use over time. Alcoholism is, uh, that's just not, that has a lot of stigma attached to it, which I, I would love to eliminate, but people don't like to think about that. But alcohol is a very addictive drug. And um, even if you drink a glass of wine every night, as I have said in the past, you will develop a small dependency on alcohol. And how does that feel? Basically feels like, hey, I could really go for a glass of wine to take the edge off. That's that That's alcohol. But the thing is, it's not taking the edge off of your of your problem. It's taking the edge off of the withdrawal that you're going through from it. And it causes you stress when you're drinking it because, again, alcoholism and, you know, alcohol dependency is the result of habitual excessive use over time. So let's say that you drink, you know, excessively over time um, for a long time. Say that you drink a, a bottle of wine every night. It doesn't matter if you give it up for a while. When you drink a glass of wine, when you come back to it, your brain is going to release the amount of stimulants and chemicals, dopamine, like all of this rush of shit. Because in anticipation of you drinking a bottle, because your brain is smart and it learns and it needs to counteract all of this. So it, it learns what it has to do and your excessive habitual use Put your brain in a spot where it does this. And what happens? That doesn't last. So when those chemicals wear off, you get a subsequent feeling of what? More anxiety, which you need to relieve with a drink. So alcohol not only causes anxiety while you're drinking it, it causes anxiety for days after you stop. And to be honest, I'll tell you what, I went through alcohol withdrawal and at the time I was only drinking about a day or two a week. At the end of my drinking, I was only drinking about a day or two a week. And I'm going to tell you what, like I, I didn't feel right for three weeks. And after three weeks were over, I was like, holy shit, I am awake. Like where the fuck, who had, the like the glasses are off. What the fuck? Like it was, it was something else. But I didn't, I didn't feel that way um, for a long time. But anyway, people will say this to me. They'll say, okay, like we give you so much credit for it. And I'll say, well, alcohol does not relieve stress. It causes stress. And you know what the response is? I get left on red every single fucking time. I get left on red every single time. Because what I'm saying to these people is, just so you know, everything you know is wrong. And people do not like to be told that. They do not like to be told that every single thing that they know is wrong and that every single thing that they've believed their whole life is incorrect. Like, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine? And I I think that the most successful people in the world would agree with me that, you know, you are, you are able to achieve greatness if you just follow the right strategy and you believe wholly in what you're doing and you move in the right direction and you move in a series of, you know, manageable steps, starting with very basic habits and then, you know, accumulating over time, putting in the hard work, doing whatever it takes to get it done. Every person that I know that's achieved great success has done it this way. There are people that will will say that they are the product of, they, sorry, not the product. I would say I'm the product. They would say they're the victim of circumstances. They come from no money. They don't come from whatever. Everything they know is wrong. 
so everything everything you know is wrong. Like just know when you want change in your life that everything that you know is wrong and you might need to rewire. You might need to rewire and inspire, baby. That's what you might need to do with everything that you know. It's not it's not a slap to your ego to be wrong. It's not. Like if everything you know is wrong, oh well, then you're wrong. Like I'm wrong all the time. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm doing myself a great service when I when I'm I can admit that I'm wrong because then I can learn. The person that can't admit that they're wrong just lives in this bizarre world where their reality is the only reality and they never learn and they never grow and they never develop. So being wrong is a great thing. It shows you where the gaps are and it shows you your opportunities. Opportunity is so important. You won't see opportunity without the cracks because the light can't get in. So if you, you know, if you have a big fuck up or whatever, it's great. It's, it's good to be wrong. You know, I'm glad that I was, I was wrong about all the things that I was wrong about. And I'm glad that I had the opportunity to be proved wrong because now I get to do the service of showing other people where they are wrong. That's, that, that, that can be tough. I'm, you know, I'll, one of the greatest stop smoking resources is Alan Carr's The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. I recommended this book to a friend. Um, I recommended this book to a lot of people and all of the people that I've recommended to that have read it have quit smoking. And then the other people are just leaving the book on the shelf. <laughs> and, you know, I'll sometimes ask people, hey, you read that book yet? No, it's still sitting there. You know, it's so weird. I just read an email this week from Annie Grace. Annie Grace that wrote This Naked Mind, a famous book, sobriety book. Uh, it's wonderful. Just, you know, I mentioned it a bunch of times in this podcast, but I read an email from her um, that said that people often will feel like once they made the purchase or once they like did the thing, then they feel like it's all better. Like, okay, like I bought the book, so it's good now. You know, and that's a lot of the things with Alan Carr. Buying the book is the first step. So a lot of people, you know, buy the book and then they'll be like, oh, well, you know, okay, I bought the book, so I should be good to go. It's like, no, you actually got, yeah, you actually have to open it and then you have to read the first page. You got to read the second page. <laughs> so I, I recommended this book to a bunch of people and everybody that read it has quit. And, you know, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that people have quit because I was in that hell of a cigarette smoking nightmare for so, so, so long. So, you know, I recommended it to this friend. It's like, buy this book. It took forever to get this friend to buy the book. And I got a text from this friend this week. And they were like, I I don't want to read it. Um, I don't want to read the book because I don't like to, how did he phrase it? I think he said he didn't like when people called him out, called him out on stuff. And I was like, all right, well, you know, what is what you've been doing, doing for you at this point? Because you not liking being called out has done nothing for you. Like you don't like being called out. You don't like getting data about yourself that you don't want. Like you don't like being called out on the things that you're doing as a cigarette smoker, well, th those are the things you need to be called out on. Those are the things that you're wrong about <laughs> that you need to be, you need to be shown the light about so that you can fucking stop so you can get the fuck off. Like, I mean, I freely talk about this here. Um, you know, obviously I am not going to mention my friend's name here. I don't believe that my friend will listen to this podcast ever. And I don't believe that this person will listen to this podcast for this very reason that I'm saying right now. They won't listen to this podcast because they don't want to be called out. <laughs> but they're, what is it doing for you to keep doing what you're doing? 
Like, what is it doing for you? Like, why is it easier for you to continue to do something that's making you sick and making you miserable and making you unhappy and all of that stuff than it is to just acknowledge that you might be wrong about something? Like, when you're drinking every night and you know it's bad and you're making these fucking jokes that we, we all used to make them. You know, oh, I, I'm a, such an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, you probably, if you're, you're making the joke, you probably are. <laughs> Oh, we make those jokes because it's always, it was always easier to say that you have a manageable problem than it was to say, I'm taking a very healthy solution because it has stigma attached to it. So how fucked up is that in our society that having a manageable problem that's barely manageable is better than having a viable solution? That doesn't have a problem attached at all. Like it's fuck. It's it's just it's all a little shit. We don't want to rewrite what we know. So what we know is that alcohol allegedly is good. So that's what we know. That's what we've been taught. We don't want to be wrong. What, what what if we're wrong? Like what the fuck? But but we are. We're wrong in a lot of ways. I would encourage all of you guys. To seriously be open to the idea that you might be wrong. You might be wrong about everything that you know. You might be wrong about, you know, some of your habits. You might be wrong about your personality. Like your personality and how you're thinking, it might be wrong. I mean, all these things. If you need a change in your life, whatever you know about the thing that needs to be changed is incorrect. It's, that's just it. That's, that's just the, the fucking facts. It's incorrect and that's where you start and you can definitely start there. I can definitely help you with that, by the way. You guys can feel free to send me an email anytime. Andy, A-N-D-E-E at getthefuckoff.com. Get on my email list on my website as well. You can totally do that there at getthefuckoff.com. I have a, a bunch of little check boxes so you guys can mark off, you know, the things that you want to see more content of. I... I sometimes will write things specific to smokers. Like I, I would want to make sure that the cigarette smokers definitely see more of that than say someone who's never smoked because then you'd be like, why the fuck, why is this here? But I do I do definitely want to help you guys get more of the stuff that you're interested in and make it more specific for you. So totally jump over there and do that. And you guys can take a look. If you are the ultimate couch potato like I was, if you're having trouble just getting your bearings and just getting the fuck up, I mean, if if you're one of those people that was a new year, new me, and you still want to be the new year, new you, but you just didn't succeed at your new year's resolution, that's okay. You're in the majority. And you got more of a chance of succeeding right now in February than you did in January. And that's just because... It's going to be on your terms and it's not going to be running an old program that everybody just runs year after year after year after year. And I can talk to you all about that because I know quite a bit about it. But you're going to learn a lot about different things in that email series. There's so many goodies in that email series. So look for it on my website if you guys want to learn a lot and you want to get started in moving your life in the right direction. And I'm fucking so excited that you guys came to the Get the Fuck Off podcast today. Uh, I'm acting like it's an event. Thank you for coming to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. But seriously, thank you guys for showing up. It really, that's that's really so important that you guys do this for yourselves, that you show up and you're committed to learning something new that can, you know, improve your well-being because we are what we do daily and we are more powerful when we show up. Like we are more powerful when we show up regularly. 
So thank you guys for doing that. For you. And for me. I'm going to see you guys next week back here on the Get the Fuck Off podcast. You guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care, be safe, and I will see you really, really, really soon.